I want to know when are you eating these things? Like where is the timing in your day? Because that's what's really going to impact our overall health, our performance, our recovery, um, is making sure we have the right fuel in our body to do what it needs to be done at that moment. Hey everybody, this is Nikki Tamarino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. And you're listening to the Maybe Running Will Help podcast, the show that explores the why of running for people who love to run. Have you ever noticed that we as runners are obsessed with food? Whether it's wondering what to eat when or simply dreaming about our next meal while we're on a run, our brains seem to have a one-track mind and it's headed straight to the kitchen. On today's episode, I'm sharing my conversation with running dietitian Megan Featherston. She's a runner, fueling expert, and a must-follow on Instagram. But you probably already know that. Listen in as we cover the what and when of eating and hydrating, as well as tummy trouble and how you may be able to leak less if you struggle to retain your fluids. Thanks so much for joining. Now let's get started. Um, all right, cool. So I um, I made your lasagna last night. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. And okay. So dinner, making dinner is probably my least favorite like responsibility as like in the household as part of my job. And so, and lasagna, like I've made vegan lasagna before and it's great. It lasts forever. Like I swear I eat it all week, um, but I'm such a lazy cook. So, um, but yesterday I was like, I, I was motivated because then you called me out on Instagram and you're like, that's like homework. So. You got to try it. <laughs> so um, what I loved about your recipe is the carrots. I've never put carrots in there before. Yeah. So you like legit followed the recipe. You didn't take the shortcut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I legit, I, I pretty legit followed it. Like mm -hmm. you're right. Like sometimes I like if I don't have stuff, like, and I actually cut an onion yesterday and the, one of the reasons that I had resisted making this is because the grocery store that I go to has been out of the pre like diced onions. Cause this is how lazy I like everything's pre, I get pre diced, pre whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I happen to have an onion cause my parents stayed with us recently. My mom is like, she's like cooks like everything by, from scratch. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, I have an onion. I guess I'll just like, <laughs> have to, like chop it. So no, I made it legit. And, I'm, the carrots were, I was, I was like a little bit like, really like carrots yeah. and um, no, it was really good. It just yeah. works. Yeah. It did. And it was like, it felt like there was a lot of stuff in there. And I, mm -hmm. uh, my one daughter ate it with me. My husband will eat it. And then the other two are just scared of vegan food. So they had chicken, but <laughs> chicken. They had chicken. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was good. Um, I, the first, one of the first things I also wanted to ask you about, um, is this, the, the Graham slam. And I want to tell you before we get into like the Graham slam, the Graham cracker pre-run idea has been a game changer for me. And for like some of the clients that I work with that have trouble eating stuff before their run, yeah. they're just like, oh my God, like, it's like the best solution for uh -huh. like, Yeah. I have so, never heard of someone being like, well, graham crackers didn't work. I don't know um, what it is. Like, they're just magical. Magical. <laughs> I wonder if, like, um, Teddy Grahams would work. You should add them to, like, try them. I have some people who use Teddy Grahams, and they love oh, it. Because yeah. it's so, some people would be like, I don't want crumbs. Because graham crackers are messy. Like, they are very messy. All over from that graham slam. And then I thought I swept them all up and I'm like, there's some more some more uh, crumbs like two weeks later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have some people who don't like crumbs that use Teddy Grahams instead. So it works. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Cause I, I will bring them to my computer and I'll have crumbs all over my planner. Cause I, yes, that's a good, good idea. I bring them in the bed and then I have crumbs in my bed. So <laughs> what did you say? Sorry, I lost that for a second. I bring my grams into yeah. bed. Like I drink oh. my coffee, I get back in a bed and eat my grams and drink coffee in the morning. So there's just like graham cracker crumbs. I try to keep them like on my sweatshirt, but a lot yeah. of times I get in my bed and I'm like, oh my God, there's graham cracker crumbs in my bed again. <laughs> I love that about you. I freaking love that you get back into yeah. bed. I hate getting up. I hate getting up. So like, that's why solace. It's like, go get your coffee and a couple grams and you can come lay back down in bed. Like kind <laughs> of way, right? Because I'm drinking. So I'm not like in a full lay, but um, 
Yeah. So I do a weird thing where I brush my teeth in bed. So I kind of, I get up and Mm -hmm. I, start brushing my teeth and then I get back in bed under the covers and brush my teeth back in bed. My husband like, but yeah. So I but feel like smart because you have to get out of bed then. Cause you won't, don't want to leave all that stuff in your mouth forever. So oh, that's point. smart. Oh. I can sit there forever and yeah. like, go run. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is so hard to get out of bed. That's so funny. Um, and then, okay. So the grand slam is this contest that you did i think you've done it twice right you've done two rounds of this Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. you're trying different brands of graham crackers i will tell you that i never strayed from nabisco like one because like my kids are super like picky about brand even brand name food yeah so it's like don't they're they're like oh mom got the cheap brand this again (laughs) so it's like i i get you know whatever like nabisco is that's what i get yeah. So I haven't tried the other ones, but I'm curious to know like what you what you found with your yeah your little comparison. Do you like the Nabisco Red Box? Yes. Get, yeah, because do you avoid honey as a vegan too? I'm assuming or no? Some no, people- I I would say I'm more like plant based. Like I'm vegan, yeah. but not for like moral reasons, just because like it just feels best for my like stomach. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Because it was the Red Box Nabisco don't have honey, and then. Mm. There was another one that was technically vegan. I can't remember what it was, but yes, I think the Nabisco Red Box is my runner-up, and then the Honey Made, which they're both made by Nabisco. It's just that the Red Box has molasses, and the Blue Box that's Honey Made has honey. And that, that was your number one, the Honey Made. Yeah, really. Okay, I just love them. they're just okay. the best. Yeah, and some of them were awful. Like with a blindfold on, like I was like, this doesn't even taste like a graham cracker. Like the Kellogg's ones were terrible. And I was, yeah, it was just, you know. What about the ones that have the um, like cinnamon and sugar on it? Aren't there some that have like the freaking cinnamon and sugar on them? Yeah. So I didn't do like different flavors because I wanted okay. to keep it like, you know. Yeah, on the same size. I failed, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like chocolate graham crackers, cinnamon graham crackers. Yeah. got to be other flavors out there too, but. The funniest thing to me is I didn't realize it's an American thing. So I have a lot of people who follow me from like other countries and literally they'll try to order them into their country or they'll be like, Megan, what compares? Like everyone wants (laughs) graham crackers. I'm like, this might be the one thing that the United States is doing right. food wise. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. There's some like um, crisps or something, or is that chips? And so I don't know. They do, they have like digestive biscuits in England. They have mm-hmm. like mafia crackers that are more Hispanic. Um, and then I'm trying to think there's something else that somebody sent me, but sometimes they're really high in fat. So that's what's perfect about graham crackers is they oh, have yeah. hot, but they're not crazy high in fat. And that's why they sit so well in your stomach because it's just a simple okay. carb. It's easy to digest, you know, not too much fat, no fiber. So yeah. a lot of these like comparisons people are sending me from other countries are like, su- it's like a cookie. It's like super high in fat, <laughs> right? You know, it yeah. getting the bloodstream for what we need it for. So, so what's so funny is that after I went to one of your, um, you know, it was like a webinar that you did, and then I started tracking macros and using my fitness pal and stuff to do that. And what I realized is that um, one, it's really hard for me to get enough protein as a vegan. I'm vegan, and two. I didn't realize how much fat I ate, mm. which is so great. Like, you know, I think I'm being like pretty healthy. And then I would look and it would be like, you're over your fat, like blah, blah, blah for the day. And I'm like, where is the fat? And then it's coming from nuts, right? Cause I'm trying to get mm. a lot of protein from nuts. And then like oils that I use in cooking mm-hmm. and like, yeah, like, cause the butter is like oil based. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, really interesting. But well, I know we're going to talk a little bit about plant-based diets. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, but we kind of jumped right in and I definitely want, I, I mean, I love you. I love following you. And I would be surprised if people listening didn't already know who you are. Cause I think that you're like the running dietitian on Instagram. Like there are a lot of dietitians on Instagram, but I think like when I think of running, I think of you and like thinking of fueling and stuff like that. Cause basically your whole Instagram is just basically a resource. And every day it's like, I'm just like thinking like, 
you, every time you post something, I'm like, oh, I was totally wondering <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm like, either people just ask her a lot of questions and that's where you get your material or like you have questions yourself as a runner and like are like, I bet other people are asking this too. Yeah. That's like, yeah. So, um, so you're, you're a dietitian and you're a runner first off. But can you give a little background to people like what exactly our qualifications are and what you do in like your day-to-day -day life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So in order to become a dietitian, you have to have an undergraduate in nutrition and then you have to do a year-long internship. Then you have to take an exam and pass it and then you can be a dietitian. So like that's kind of the credentials to be there. But then to be a sports dietitian on top of there, you have to be... Um, a dietitian for at least five years and then you have to have like 2000 hours working with athletes and then you get to sit and take another exam oh. you don't get that forever you have to take it every five years so i've had to take the sports nutrition exam twice um so you have to like keep up on literature so honestly i barely had to study for it the second time because i was already doing all of this and i'm like this is what i do every day read research <laughs> articles answer people's questions make posts about it you know so yeah. it was actually a breeze the, the second time but um so yeah i i credential wise, you know, there's all sorts of governing bodies over, you know, what I do as a sports dietitian, which is very different from your nutrition coaches out there. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, of education and background and ongoing continuing education to be able to hold that sports dietitian credential. Um, and then I've kind of purposefully pigeonholed myself into working with runners because I love working with runners and there's enough runners coming to me that I don't really have to work with anybody else anymore. <laughs> awesome. Well, I do have some triathletes, which I love. I did a half Ironman over the summer, like to get the experience because I wanted to be able to relate to these triathletes that were coming and working with me. So I do yeah. have a few um, triathletes as well, but it's primarily marathon runners. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and there's plenty of questions around fueling and marathon running, like so many, like, yeah. I feel like, yeah. I, I mean, other than like training physically, like it's all, and, and even, even as a coach, like everybody wants to know about nutrition and, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, I have no doubt there's plenty of material <laughs> like <laughs> out there, um, that, and knowledge that you have. Um, and so like, why did you get into this type of work? Yeah, I actually stumbled upon being a dietitian. I didn't even know it was a thing. I was touring colleges and I fell in love with a college in, um, like Southwestern Ohio, Miami university. Um, and I just fell in love with the university and I'm like, okay, cool. I want to be here, but like, what do I want to do with my life? And huh. I thought my whole family besides my brother has been in the medical profession. My parents are retired now, you know, so I thought I wanted to do something medical. So then when I found out, like I was very passionate about, or curious, I guess I should say about nutrition, like very curious about what was right. What wasn't like, I was a kid in the nineties, like hmm. you know, crazy fad diets that I just didn't understand. And so I was just, I had a lot of curiosity and no answers around nutrition. So when I stumbled on the pamphlet, I was like, well, this is awesome. I was looking through the classes and it was all exercise science. That was basically, you basically had a minor in exercise science and then nutrition. I'm like, this sounds amazing. <laughs> like, I really didn't necessarily know what I would do with it at the time, but somebody had said like, you'll do an internship in a hospital. And I was already interested in medicine. So I was like, this is probably perfect. So I just kind of rolled with it. Loved my classes in college um, besides organic chemistry, but, um, <laughs> yeah. And it just kind of rolled from there. And I did, I worked in a hospital for quite a few years in intensive care for a while, like clinically taking care of people. And then I switched more to like a wellness space and I was doing, um, like creating and implementing like large scale nutrition classes for our employees. It was a very big mm -hmm. hospital system. So I would travel to different places and, you know, educate people on nutrition. And so that's where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Like, this is, I was very passionate about that. And then I was running, I had started running in the meantime. Um, and again, like you were alluding to earlier, just got really curious about like, why do I feel this way? How can I feel better? What is the right way to fuel and hydrate to be able to run my best? And just was PRing after PRing huge chunks of my marathon just by doing some of these things. And I'm like, no one else is doing these things. You know, like I'm not that stellar of an athlete. I just try really hard and use my resources. So um, that's where I started a side business while I was still at the hospital, which is Featherstone Nutrition, um, 
when my daughter was like a few weeks old, like I was on maternity leave with her and she's five now. So like five ish wow. years ago. And then I jumped ship on my hospital job because this was just booming and I couldn't continue to do them both. And I don't know why I did for so long, honestly. So about a, almost two years ago, I've been doing this full time. Yeah. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing your secrets with us. That is allowed <laughs> you to get your PR after PR. That's yeah. very generous of you. <laughs> yeah, um, you're welcome. <laughs> um, and just in general, like we're definitely going to get to like running specific nutrition, but I'm curious, knowing that you grew up in the 90s and, um, you know, that you've been doing this for so long, is there, have you noticed a change in the way that you're learning about nutrition from, you know, the way that you were learning back then and what is happening now? Can you talk a little bit about how it's changed? Yeah, there was a lot of low fat, like the low fat, fat free snack wells, carbs were great. Carbs were great when I was a kid, you know, like that wasn't the issue, but there was no focus on protein and like fat was the devil. Like that was mm -hmm. yep. what you needed was kind of the message I was surrounded with growing up. Um, so obviously now I'm seeing people have no fear of fat, which is amazing. Like I, I rarely, I can think on one hand, the number of people I've had to be like, Hey, let's add some fat to that. Like <laughs> usually not an issue with most people, right. but getting adequate protein. And now we're seeing people are very fearful of carbs. So as you know, I take a stance on Instagram to help educate why they're important, why we shouldn't be scared of them, how we should best use them, how to get over fears of them, you know, and really just education on why we need them to try to fight the internal battle or the external battle people are hearing about carbs being bad. So I think it's like, there's always going to be a macronutrient that's villainized. And I think yeah. it used to be fat and now it's carbs and who knows what it'll be next. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. I feel like for a majority of the time that I've been like interested in nutrition or like dieting or whatever, I do feel like the low carb like movement has just like saturated my brain. But I do remember being in middle and high school and trying to limit my fat to like a ridiculously small amount. So you're right. Like I totally forgot that that was yeah. a thing but it was like and i would like when i think about the way that i ate back then it was actually like so bad like licorice has zero fat but right. like i would just eat licorice all yeah. the time because it was zero fat but like that's so much sugar and like i don't know right but, yeah Crazy. well i remember the treadmill that we had in the basement as kids had like the total calorie burn was like the biggest thing it was even bigger than like the pace which is ridiculous and then <laughs> after that it was fat calories burned <laughs> that just further like you know perpetuated that i'm hearing like fat's bad and then i'm seeing yeah. these fat calories being burned on my treadmill like why in the world did it have that like now there's <laughs> you know what i mean i'm yeah, like yeah. it's nuts <laughs> yeah yeah and i think it's really interesting i mean when we talk about like looking at macronutrients as opposed to like calories and things like that um it's so much easy like i don't know i think it's like easier and i i never really focused on that before i didn't, didn't even know what a macronutrient was until like recently but like i mean and basically we're just talking about fat carbs and protein right mm -hmm. i mean three yeah. things that you're just looking at and you're not trying to like you know really eliminate any of them but there is a a little bit of a balance mm -hmm. to that but i guess it also is specific to what your goals are like runners are going to have different needs than somebody that say is like try you know needs to lose weight for health reasons or like whatever. So um, just speaking specifically of running, since we are <laughs> like a running podcast, um, can you talk a little bit about like some of the biggest challenges you see in runners when they first come to you um, for help with fueling? Like what do you see the most? Yeah. So I would say I, it's kind of split. If I had to bucket it, I could bucket it into kind of two general categories. So one yep. of it is we you know running coaches such as yourself like there's a lot of opportunity for anyone to get guidance in their running so most people have grasped on to a coach they realize they need to sleep we've got watches to track our sleep right so a lot of times people are coming to me like i have paid attention to and found help for everything in my life except nutrition so they're using like nutrition as that next piece to help them push their training harder maybe bq hit a certain time you know so really using 
performance nutrition to help augment their running and their daily lives, right? Like a lot of people that I work with are, you know, very high level executives that, you know, are really busy. So not only do they want to run fast, but they want to feel good the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Right. their job you know so it's not always just the performance piece it's the daily work piece too so there's that side like i want to tweak nutrition because i haven't touched it yet and i know that that's low-hanging fruit for me to improve my running and then i have the other bucket of people who are just so confused on how to eat for running mm -hmm. right we grew up in a very 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 diety culture which i'm hoping we're starting to break for the future um, generations yeah. but we've got all these preconceived notions about nutrition and then we start running and we feel great when we run, but we don't have the education or the understanding of what needs to change with our nutrition when we start running. I see so many people coming to me that haven't changed a darn thing, but they're running a lot. Yeah. And whether if they're not injured yet, they probably will be, or they're missing their period or, you know, there's all yeah. the consequences or you feel terrible on your runs. You're not able to progress your fitness, you know? So I think part of what I do is that education piece of helping people figure out, okay, this is your life. These are your goals. What do we need to do from a nutrition perspective to make sure that we're supporting that? So there's a lot of individualized, you know, on that piece too. Yeah. And I, it, it's really interesting that I feel like nutrition is one of those last things that people address because people are so afraid to mess with the way that they eat. Like either they don't want to, like they have, they like the way they eat, they want to continue eating the way they eat. And they just, you know, we'll change all kinds of stuff. Like we'll freaking go out and run, you know, 20 miles because our coach said so, but do not tell us, <laughs> you know, how and what to eat because that's just, you know, so, um, mm -hmm. I think it's I I think it, it it's unfortunately is one of the last areas, but one of the most like significant ways to impact your performance. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, you think yeah. about it, you're training what five to seven times a week, you know, and you're eating over seven times a day. So the opportunity yeah. to be able to support things is huge from a nutrition standpoint. But, you know, to your point, like you have to be ready to make that change. Yeah. You have to want to change things. You have to be not maybe not dissatisfied but unsure enough about what's happening that you want help to change it to look at it to evaluate it um but yeah we really have to like anything be ready to make that change yeah do you think that the most um I mean, maybe the scariest thing for people is eating more than they're eating or differently does that is that like yeah. a separate question? Yeah. does that make sense yeah. yeah no i think i do have some people who are very fearful to eat more. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, wow, you're under fueling, eat more. You know, it's more so me. I listen for a while when we first talk, like what, what does your life look like? What do your days look like? I run me through a typical day of what happens? What are you eating? How are you feeling? All that kind of stuff. And usually we can figure out that it's probably a balance issue. Like maybe we're under fueling all day and then over fueling at night. So it's not like mm -hmm. we're more we're just pulling some of this nutrition and patting it around when we're doing our exercise or you know a lot of times i can find ways to if i if i feel there's some fears about their nutrition that we can work around it to get people more comfortable to make those changes and then once they make the changes and they realize they feel better and wait i'm not gaining weight from eating more you know if that's the yeah. perception you know it sometimes it just takes a, that initial trust and then trying it and if for some reason it doesn't work right we tweak it we change it you know yeah. um i think that's what's helpful like i always work with people for at least three months so that we have that time to figure out you know how does this work for you because just because my initial assessment is x y and z it probably is going to change somewhere around the line you know we're all individuals yeah. so things can change those variables a lot Absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with coaching. Like I'll start mm -hmm. off with like a basic plan for everybody, but then as you know, the first month is just getting to know people and their schedules and yeah, no, that's, that makes so much sense. Um, and one of the things that you mentioned that I found really helpful is to, well, a couple of things. Um, one of the things that you just said was like fueling around like your workouts mm -hmm. and thinking of it in terms like, I mean, would you say like, this is my understanding that it's most important to really be like, I don't know how to say this, if you like sandwiching your workouts, like with food. And yeah. like, so like, if you do that, like if you're somebody who runs the, in the beginning of the day and you're eating before your run and then you're eating after your run or whatever, that's almost more important than what you're doing later in the day because you're really protecting that workout and making sure right. that, right? Okay. Right. 
I yeah. always feel like timing is so much more important to me. Like if somebody was macro tracking and they told me how many grams of all their macros they ate a day, <laughs> I could care less about that. I want to know when are you eating these things? Like where is the timing in your day? Because that's what's really going to impact our overall health, our performance, our recovery, um, is making sure we have the right fuel in our body to do what it needs to be done at that moment. And I just so often see... And I don't, I don't know why, honestly, that our culture is very top heavy with nutrition. I don't know if it's like the culture of like counting things and watching numbers dwindle down as the day goes on. So we're saving it for the afternoon or I, I really don't, I honestly am not quite sure why I see that so often, but it's, it's very frequent that we're like saving nutrition and then we're mm -hmm. opening in the second half of the day. And a lot of us, I would say probably 75% of the people I work with, I don't know, you could chime in on this too, run in the morning, like most mm -hmm. people that I work with do. Yeah, so. yeah. And I, I mean, I think that if you, and one of the things that I've learned is like, if you eat before you're hungry, like you eat almost less <laughs> because you're not waiting until you're hungry and you're just grabbing like whatever. So it's almost like I try to eat before I like actually feel like I need to eat. And so basing it on timing, yeah, that's huge. So can you talk a little bit about why timing is so important? Like, as opposed to like, if you're, you're fueling after your run, as opposed to waiting like three hours for lunch to hit or something like that, why does that make a difference? So, I mean, for like the average Joe, is timing all that important? Not really, but like none of us are average humans with the amount that we run. You know, even if we're quote unquote only running 25 miles a week up to 80 or 90, you know, that's still a huge demand on our body. So it's not like we can just sit around and like eventually eat fuel throughout the day. You know, we want to be strategic to make sure that our body has the nutrition that it needs to do the recovery process. Otherwise, honestly, you're kind of like shooting yourself in the foot. Because if you go out and do a workout and then don't eat for three hours, your body doesn't have what it needs to stop that breakdown process. Like we're breaking down muscles after any type of hard workout. So we have to slap it with enough protein to stop that breakdown, to build up that repair, to be able to then recover from that workout, to gain the fitness that we were supposed to gain in that brutal workout, right? So like yeah. not eating is just delaying our recovery, which then delays any progression in fitness. We right. don't feel good. We increase our risk of injuries. We're starving in the evening. Then we, to your point, can't control what we're eating because we're too hungry and then all, you know, bets are off. So, <laughs> um, you know, there really is something to like making sure that we have the right recovery nutrition in there to do the work so that the next day we can get back out there and run again <laughs> or train again. Right. And that's like brings up something that you said recently, I think uh, maybe on Instagram, but about like fueling for not for like a, the specific day, but think of fueling in terms of like you're fueling for a week or a training cycle. Like that's right. how we need to be thinking of it. Right. Because I see so many people that are like, but I'm not running today. It's a rest right. day. Yeah. I don't need to eat that much today. And I see people getting really kind of frustrated and upset with themselves because they're so hungry on a rest, rest day. day. I'm the yes. hungriest. Yeah. So it's like, if we try to eat less, then I mean, it's just a nightmare. And then what I end up seeing is when people are resisting the urge to eat the way we're, we're trying to get to, right? Like somebody comes to me here, we're trying to get to here. And I see they're kind of stuck here and kind of resisting that urge for a day or two, maybe it goes okay. But then it eventually, our, our bodies are so smart. If we don't mm -hmm. give them what they need, we are going to have some sort of out of control craving where we eat way too much and then we feel awful and then we're beating ourselves up about it. And you know what I mean? And it's like, we can, I can always trace it back to, okay, it started here. We didn't yep. eat enough here, here and here. And then we didn't eat enough on rest day. And then it smacked us in the face two days later. You know, yep. like you can almost always predict that it's going to happen if we're not giving our body what it needs. And again, if we weren't exercising like we are, we could probably get away with like kind of some of these crazier changes or longer gaps without eating. But like when we're demanding this of our body, like we really have to respect that and give our body the nutrition it needs when it needs it. Yeah. And why are we so freaking hungry on rest day? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. What? So, what <laughs> I, I have a couple theories here, which they're all supported <laughs> by uh, research, but you know, it's like you take yeah. the research and you apply it to what you've learned working yeah. with people and, so I think one of the things is, is when we're training, most of us have hormones that we kick out that actually decrease our appetite. Mm -hmm. So not everybody, there are some people who don't, but most people like after a workout are the least hungry that day. Um, right. 
So sometimes if we're ravenous on a rest day, it's probably because we've underdone it somewhere the past couple mm -hmm. of days. And it's like our, since we don't have those hormones suppressing our appetite, all of a sudden our body can actually feel that it's hungry. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I need to eat a little more. Yeah. Um, but then the other thing is, I think sometimes it's just like our body's in rest and recovery mode and it's like, oh, I need to recover. So it amps up the appetite, you know? So I yeah. think be a couple different reasons why but you know it's something to really respect and right. and and eat enough and be smart too because i mean protein keeps us full longer than anything so if there's somebody who really stinks at getting enough protein and they notice their appetite's crazy on rest days maybe it's not like go for a free-for-all and eat whatever you want maybe it's like okay i'm gonna nail my protein today and then mm -hmm. obviously have the carbs and fat with it and just notice like does that help is that what i needed am i crazy dehydrated and my body's like all over the place with with appetite you know so yeah it's like playing with a bunch of different things not necessarily eating a whole pizza because we're hungry you know like it's just right. kind of figuring out what might be missing and playing with it and see what works is our like so when we crave something right is our body smart enough to be like we're craving it because that's what we need like if we're craving like something like sweet or something like that like do we need sugar or is it, are we is it, is it like that smart i think there's there's something to that but i don't think it's like always like I, i'm craving a cookie right now i must really need it i must be low on glycogen <laughs> <laughs> or we're just tired, right? We are we yeah. crave more foods when we're tired. We crave more um, foods when we are in a high hormone phase. Like it could be yeah. a million things. But yeah. you know, truth be told, one thing that I've noticed is my really heavy, salty sweaters. When they're not doing hydration well enough, they just all, all they want is salt. Like they crave salt. Mm. Salting their food a ton, which I do think is probably a really good thing and almost like a defense mechanism. Our body's like, no, no, salt, fluid, give oh, me yeah. more. You know, so I <laughs> yeah. do something like correlated there. Um, but other than that, I feel like people are either like salty or savory craving people and mm. they just, you know, crave well, it. Well, I'm first. like, I'm like salty first. And then once I filled up on salt, then I'm like, <laughs> I something sweet now. Something sweet. <laughs> That's kind um, of <laughs> <laughs> I have always been like, I have always salted everything. And I, I mean, I was always told like, that's too much salt, too much salt. And I kept telling people, I'm like, no, I need it. Like if my blood pressure is actually like really low, like I was mm -hmm. like, I need salt. And it's, I mean, I'm not a salty sweater or anything like that, but it, maybe it's because I eat so much salt. Yeah. Yeah, you're not a heavy sweater, are you? No, not at all. Like not, and not one that gets like the, the yeah. chalky, yeah. salty sweat. So yeah. um, I think it, I just, you know, tell all those people that I was right. <laughs> um, okay. So in terms of like, it sounds like protein is super, super important. So especially in terms of recovery. So in talking about the different macronutrients, and I want to talk about like where they fit around a run, because before a run, we're talking simple carbs. And that's because they're easy to digest and um, quick fuel, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then protein after a run, because that's going to help us repair and it keeps us and protein keeps us fuller, longer and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so protein is something that I struggle with being a plant based runner. So where and how can we get our protein without maybe like I said, like I have, should I be concerned that I, there's so much fat in my diet? Does that matter if I'm getting the protein in? Like, you know what I mean? So the only time I worry that there's mm -hmm. quote unquote too much fat is if it's displacing the carbs we need. Like mm -hmm. if somebody is, because fat and protein keep us really, really full, you know? So if we're eating that and then our meal just doesn't have enough carbs, or if I tell somebody scale up your carbs, you're way too low on carbs. They're like, I can't eat this much. Or they are worried about weight gain. It's like, all right, let's scale that fat back while <laughs> yeah. we carbs up. So we're still getting the same amount of nutrition that our body needs without getting excess, you know? So right. sometimes I have people kind of balance those, those things a mm. little bit differently, but there's nothing wrong with it. No. Yeah. I mean, Fat is super, you know, healthy for our hormone production and every one of our cells needs fat to stay healthy, you know, so it's a good thing. It's just sometimes I have to get people to balance it a little differently just so they're getting enough of the carbs too. Okay. And where, like, can you give us some ideas of like being plant-based? Are mm -hmm. there certain foods that we should really, you know, try to include in our diet? 
Yeah. So when we look at like protein availability, we know like whey protein, egg whites are like the standard for muscle recovery. Like that type of protein has the highest biological value. It's going to recover our muscles on the least amount of protein. So when we look at plant-based alternatives, we often compare them back to whey to see how they stimulate muscle recovery. So from a plant-based standpoint, soy is the closest thing to mm -hmm. um, like whey protein, right? So like tofu, tempeh, edamame, soy milk, soy protein, which is so funny. It got such a bad rap there for a while, which is not deserved. Um, <laughs> and people really don't drink soy milk anymore. Like, I don't know what happened. I don't even I know, know what happened. I just got like the ick. I just got like, oh, yeah, soy bad. I know, I know. And like, honestly, we have all these plant-based milks and I never see soy making a resurgence recently. Like it's all like the oat almond milk, milk. The almond milk, yeah. yeah. Um, coconut milks, I'm trying to think. Those are probably the three big ones. Yeah, yeah. But soy is yeah. great. Soy is okay. like a wonderful, you know, protein source. Pea protein's another big one recently. Mm -hmm. um, I often have some of my plant-based athletes that struggle with protein lean on a protein shake at breakfast, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? Like I really do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like a lot of the more sport-based, plant-based proteins. So mm -hmm. like um, Vega makes a sport or yeah. Garden of Life makes a vegan sport or Momentus has a sport. The reason I keep saying sport is because they actually make sure that there's enough added leucine, which is an amino acid that's usually low in a vegan diet. And that's what recovers our muscles. So like if we're adding one of these really high quality protein powders that happen to be plant-based, they've doctored it up with the right types of protein and added in the branch chain amino acids to make sure that it's really going to help us with recovery. Yeah. And then we probably can get enough protein in plant-based options at lunch and dinner. It's just, right. I see a lot of plant-based athletes struggle at breakfast. So mm. eat your oatmeal, eat your bagel, eat whatever you want, but then just have one of these, you know, protein shakes with it can be really helpful. Yeah. And what I love, what, which you're kind of talking about here with the protein powders and something that I heard you say um, when I attended that seminar mm -hmm. was about the protein powder and things like gel and, you know, cause I think there can be a tendency to, to have a little bit of fear around these like made concoctions of you know, protein or fuel or whatever. But what you said that stuck out to me is like, these are engineered for our performance. So there's really not a need to be scared of these products, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so we can use them and they can be beneficial and we don't have to feel like we need to make everything from scratch. And like, <laughs> they've, are, they've done the work for right. us and we can use them and yeah, no worries there, right? right. Right. Yeah. Right. I totally agree. I think it's fine to lean on things like that. Yeah. 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 I love that because it's just like, phew, phew, like one less thing to worry about. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, now, one of the other things I think a lot of runners struggle with is iron and ferritin. The, fer the ferritin is, and again, correct me, but ferritin is how we absorb iron, right? That indicates like how good we are at absorbing it. Ferritin is a storage form of iron. So it's okay. going to be like um, the first thing that we pull from if we don't have enough iron somewhere else. Oh, so okay. It's the first thing. It's it, like I said, more of a storage form of the protein. So when we start pulling, when something starts to decrease, we need more iron somewhere. We pull from there first. So when we're checking ferritin, that's going to decrease before anything else. So mm. a lot of times doctors check like hemoglobin hematocrit. That's the last thing that's going to tank. And then we look at an iron panel, typically like percent saturation and that kind of stuff is the next thing that'll change. But the very first thing that'll change is ferritin. So if we can watch that and when we see it dip, you know, alter supplementation, add in supplements and get that back up, we can kind of keep our performance a little higher. Plus they've done a ton of research where they've looked at keeping ferritin at a higher level than like standard lab tests recommend. Um, and that that augments sports performance from an endurance perspective. We can carry more oxygen to our muscles. We can, you know, have better paces, all that kind of stuff. So um, that's kind of why ferritin has become a little more popular as yeah. a measure for endurance athletes. Cause it's interesting. You can like my iron levels are fine, but my ferritin levels are low, which means basically I'm getting enough iron. I'm just not retaining it. Right. Is that what yeah. that means? Yeah. We need to amp up the storage amount that you have. Yeah. And you do that by doing what? Supplementation, diet yeah. changes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's funny. Ferritin's funny. So the more that I have worked with, with people, some people max out, like you're saying, like their percent saturation is too high or something's too high before their ferritin ever gets over 40. And that's going to happen in some people like, and that we stop supplementing. Like we're never going to supplement solely to the ferritin number. We have yeah. to look at everything else because it can be dangerous if we get too much iron and it actually has similar symptoms to low iron. Right. So like we, we do want to keep an eye on all the different variables within our iron panel um, as we're playing with this. And I really have found if if this is of interest to someone to track this type of stuff and pay attention to it, most people can figure out like, all right, I feel my best when my numbers are here, here, and here. Mm. And then we just kind of sock that away. And mm -hmm. then we check it occasionally and we see what we need to do to get you back to there if you're not there, you know? But that yeah. takes some time to figure that out. It's not like yeah. there's a standard number that's right for everybody. I have found that it, it definitely varies athlete to athlete. Is that something you do when you're working with someone, have them get their um, blood, you know, yeah. all those numbers and stuff and yeah. have that? How, yeah. How often do you recommend people check that stuff out? If everything's 100% normal, I say do it yearly. Like we don't okay. need to do it all the time. If something's off, mm -hmm. we do it quarterly until we get it where we want it to be. Okay. Yeah. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, stomach stomach issues because that's like a big one right like we all you know worry about stomach issues if you're someone who has you know all of a sudden your runs you seem to have to stop mm -hmm. at least once on a run or something like that what is the like what are like some of the first steps we can do mm -hmm. to to try to figure out what's going on mm -hmm. the first thing i would do is look at total daily intake of fiber are we just eating way too much fiber on a daily basis? Because the more fiber we eat, the more that's left over in our GI tract to have to leave at some point. So mm -hmm. with this focus on nutrition, I think a lot of people overemphasize whole grains, fruits, vegetables, and sometimes people are just eating way too many and there's just <laughs> way too much left in our GI tract and we're gonna have to stop, you know? Right, right. That's kind of the lowest hanging fruit is since I've already done like a recall with people and look at their diet, I can be like, all right, we, we're we getting too much fiber here. You too know? much salad. Too yeah, back on the salad. I know, I've had to tell people that. <laughs> stop with the massive salads. <laughs> <laughs> but it is not the main course. Yeah. I know, who would have ever thought? Is it I touched I'm telling you that. Um, so that, I mean, that's one for sure. And then what we were talking about before, like what are you eating before your run? So yeah. um, I typically try to get people to eat like at least two hours or more if they're eating a meal versus like some of those quick carbohydrate snacks mm -hmm. we were talking about. So sometimes people are just eating too close to when they're running and that can cause issues or too much fiber too close to when they're running. So mm -hmm. that's another thing hydration is a massive one so if you're somebody who who notices gi issues get worse when it gets warm out like 100 percent, this is this is a hydration issue okay yeah. yeah okay and speaking of hydration i actually am so confused about hydration it's <laughs> like water like i'm just like i i drink water sometimes i'll like pop in a gatorade or something if that's available but like can you talk a little bit about the different like scratch and like those different like hydration supplements, I guess they are mm -hmm. and why they're helpful and how to use them? Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, from to be fully hydrated, we need to have adequate fluid and sodium. So we can get that from different places. So you're saying you salt your food a lot, but you drink water. You're probably fine. You might not need electrolyte drink because you're getting those two pieces in there. Um, but as we know, we have a million different hydration drinks like Scratch, Liquid IV, and Tailwind, and Gatorade, and Powerade, and LMNT. I mean, I could go on forever. We have so many options now of different electrolyte drinks to choose from. Yeah. So, um, how we use those is kind of individualized. So I do recommend when it's hot out that people are carrying some sort of electrolyte that has sodium and sugar in it while they're running, because both of those things help us absorb that fluid faster. So that's mm -hmm. why we always need to talk about scratch. It tastes great. It's higher in sodium. It's got some sugar. Like it's perfect. Um, yeah. So that would be something you would take during. Now, people who are really heavy sweaters and have trouble staying hydrated, it can be really helpful to add something like a new liquid IV or an in after the run because that's yeah. going to help rehydrate us faster the sodium plus the fluid but to your point if you have a really salty meal with water it's going to do the same thing so right, yeah you know, it just kind of depends on the person's preference and like 
how heavy of a sweater we are. Like some people just can't keep up without using electrolyte supplements, you know, okay, yeah, yeah. like you probably good, you know, yeah. that doesn't sweat too much. So, and an indication that you're like not properly hydrated would is cramping something that are there other <laughs> cramping other signs like that? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah, would be cramping. Uh, you know, cramping is so multifactorial. But hmm. for someone who's a heavy, salty sweater in the heat and they're cramping towards the end of a run, yeah. it could very well be hydration. Um, the other thing, GI issues, right? So that could be yeah. a big thing. And then headaches on a daily basis mm. or just really crummy performance. Like I can't hit these paces. My legs feel heavy. Like sometimes that's dehydration. It's yep. nothing more than that, you know? So um, the, it's really easy to just be like, when's the last time I peed? was it clear or clearish? It should never be totally clear. Right. Or <laughs> right. was it like the color of a yellow marker drink more if it was, you know, right, so right, right. I think it's just kind of thinking back on like, people will be like, Oh yeah, I didn't drink today when, at like 2 PM. Clearly right. we're dehydrated, <laughs> you know? So it's just kind of yeah. paying attention to your habits and, and those symptoms and kind of putting that stuff together. Well, and then another thing I thought was interesting that I've heard you say before was about, um, you know, women specifically having trouble with, um, you know, leakage or like mm -hmm. having to pee a lot during a run or something like that. Um, and saying those electrolyte drinks help us like retain fluid better yeah. than just water. So that might be something to try, like doing mm -hmm. that and before a run instead of just hydrating with water, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a huge piece of it. And yeah. something, right, something I talk to people all the time because water, we're not going to hold on to as much of it. So yeah. if we drink something that's higher in sodium, we're going to hang on to more of that. So then we yeah. don't have to pee as much. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That, yeah. that, like, I was like, oh, dude, that's like such a game changer. Um, <laughs> well, um, let's see. I know that we're like almost out of time, but I wanted to uh, see if you had any like, final thoughts or any favorite quotes or anything you can leave us with, um, why maybe running will help, um, just that you can, you know, anything favorite, special you can leave us with. Oh, that's a good one. Oh man. I think kind of in the theme with everything we've been talking about today, like nutrition can be a huge advantage, a massive advantage. So we know running will always help, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never a day we go out for a run and come home like, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Like, we're always happy that we did it, you know? And yeah. I think if if nutrition feels scary or you're hesitant, you know, some of the examples we gave earlier to really dive into changing some things that aren't working for you, like, get more courageous, get braver with it. Like, it will yeah. help. Like, changing nutrition and hydration and paying attention to the things that maybe you haven't yet will uh -huh. absolutely help your running. And not only do we want to feel better on our runs, but we want to feel better on a daily basis. Nobody wants to be on the couch the rest of the day after a long run. You yeah, know, we right. have lives. So yeah. nutrition, you know, can help support that as well. So just really encouraging people if they haven't to, you know, get a little more curious about their own nutrition and make sure it's like really supportive of what they're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Okay. So the title of this episode is maybe nutrition will help then. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. So finally, um, you have a ton of amazing resources. Um, a lot of them are free uh, on your website. And also following you on Instagram is just like a super like, I don't know, like a legit move. Just there's so much information <laughs> on there. So can you tell us where uh, where to find you on Instagram and online and how people can connect to you? Yep. So on Instagram, it's just Featherstone Nutrition. And then my website is just featherstonenutrition.com. Um, yeah. And like Nikki said, I mean, I like to give a lot away for free. Some people get mad at me for that. But um, yes, I can do one-on-one -on -one coaching and develop plans for people individually, which obviously costs money. But I like everyone that needs the information to have access to the information that they can use themselves. So I really do try to put out a lot of you know helpful stuff. And to your earlier point, I uh, do take a lot of questions and I would say 80% of what I post is questions that you guys have all sent to me. So, you know, I'm an open book as far as like, you need something, let me know and I'll find a way to share it. So <laughs> reach out. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And um, thank you again for sharing all your secrets with us. I am looking forward to a PR with your <laughs> nutritional advice. I can't wait to see that PR, Nikki. Oh, Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Megan, have a great day. Bye.
That brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks to Megan Featherston for joining us. We hope you learned a lot about fueling for your training and that you will give her a follow on Instagram at Featherstone Nutrition for more tips. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to come back next week for my conversation with runner, coach, and three-time author Jeffrey Horowitz. Until then, this is Nikki Tamburino. And don't forget to keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how maybe running will help. Have a great run, everybody. Jap, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now, these cars and planes. I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte, like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring. Now you can't afford it. Champagne, Perrier. Finish friends on my face. Looking like I'm from the D. D's no Cartier's. Pockets deep, 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 bro. I can make it in my seat, bro. Do you and doing me, bro. Making noise, use a beat, bro. Then we gon' go, go, go Whoa, whoa, I press the button and the doors go up